Counseling and the Resurrection on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. This week on the podcast, I, I want to uh, deal with an issue that I've been burdened about for quite some time, and it's something really at large in the biblical counseling movement that has been on my heart, and I, I think in the current situation that we find ourselves in with the coronavirus pandemic. It's really brought it back to the forefront of my mind. And the topic that I want us to discuss, we, we actually did a pre-conference on this topic uh, this past year at our annual conference in 2019. And it's on this issue of heaven's hope, future hope. How do we think about what I call eschatological hope, the the hope that is to come? And to give some context, I, I think in the biblical counseling movement, we've felt pressure in some ways to uh, move away from what the Bible really emphasizes. The Bible emphasizes eschatological hope. I, I don't think anyone's done this intentionally. I find myself doing this at times where uh, we want to be significant in the broader context of counseling. We want to have academic respectability and that sort of thing. And I think there's nothing wrong with, with wanting to make clear argumentation and rational uh, thought and making solid our arguments about counseling and not wanting uh, anything that we say and do to be against what is revealed in science and so on and so forth. But I think sometimes it, it blinds or at least hinders what the Bible emphasizes about our true hope is that our true hope is not here on earth. And a part of what the Scripture gives is our perseverance through all the trial here. Uh, not that we don't have hope here. Of course we do. But uh, our hope ultimately is in what's to come. It's not in the here and now. I was struck this past week by a quote from Martin Luther. This was from his Galatians commentary. And this is what he says. He says, if he, talking about the devil, cannot ruin people by wronging them or persecuting them, he will do it by improving them. And I don't know about you, but that that comment just strikes me solidly where we are and where we live in the modern Western world. And I think the pandemic has really helped us to see just how much we focus on our own self-improvement. Uh, in so many different ways, not just in totally secular ways, but even in our religious culture, we have a tendency to do that. And and I fear that what Martin Luther is talking about here is absolutely true about many of us. Uh, we, we don't necessarily face so much uh, wrong in the world, in, in some of our places in the Western world. Uh, we don't fear persecution uh, to a great degree. But we certainly, with our prosperity, we are tempted by just simply trying to improve ourselves and how much that can take our eyes off of the things of God. We consistently, in some of our counseling issues, we try to pursue a search for imminent help. And listen, here's the thing. I'm not, please don't hear me out of context, I am not saying that Counselors should not act immediately, for example, in situations like abuse. Yes, we should act immediately. There should be imminent help and hope in this situation. So, so I'm not disregarding that. What I'm saying is we should always feel the tension that anything that we offer in the temporal world 
is still has to have a, a, a view of what's to come because that's where our ultimate hope rests. That's where uh, we, we long to be is to, to see all of this that's broken passing away in the way that it's affecting, affecting us. And what we long for, what we hope for is to consistently have an eye toward the things to come. You know, I think of a passage like 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul is making really this, this argument about the resurrection, and he's, he's glorying in the resurrection of Jesus, and he's, he's demonstrating that the resurrection of Jesus really is summed up our hope. In fact, yesterday we celebrated Easter, and I want to revisit that, but we celebrated the resurrection of our Lord, the death, burial, and the resurrection of our Lord, and that he is alive. And if he is alive, then that has massive implication. And that's the argument of Paul there in 1 Corinthians 15. Listen to verse 19. It says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Now, I think that's, that's consistent here. He's not saying we don't have hope in this life. Well, we certainly do. But what grounds us to have hope in this particular life is that Christ gives us life and hope beyond the here and now. Let me give you an example with where we are right now with the pandemic that we're wrestling with and so on. And many of you are counseling people who are, who are struggling with deep fear and anxieties, uh, really uh, pressed in and influenced by our current situation. And it's not uncommon for us that we, we find ourselves watching the news and, and waiting to see what are they going to say? Are, is the curve gone down? Do we see it flattening out? Uh, how, how, are the, how are the treatments going? Are we, are we moving faster on a vaccine? What about this hydrochloroquine medicine? And I think what it's done for us is really revealed uh, how much we place hope in this life on medical advancement and what's to come. Now, here's the thing. Please don't hear me wrongly on this. I'm watching it as eagerly as, as anyone about the hope of some of the, the medications like hydrochloroquine or, or whatever uh, you know may come out from, from the scientists to help folks who are struggling with coronavirus. But I think this is really instructive for us because our hope does not exist in something in the here and now. Can the Lord use a common grace? Yes. Can he allow uh, a drug like this to help people who are struggling with coronavirus? Yes. But, but here's the fact, folks, is even if hydrochloroquine and, and the combination of drugs saves our life from something like coronavirus, the reality is that something else will take it. There'll, there'll be a point in time where our days are going to run out, and if we're hoping just in the next thing to, to help us get through to sustain our life, and that's what we're hoping in for vitality and so on, do you see how hopeless that becomes? Now, again, I, I'm not saying that this medication is not helpful, potentially. We'll see what the, what the outcome is. But what we see is we live under the facade that our hope in this life is based upon some sort of medical advancement. We can see that as common grace, but we cannot be bound by it to think that our life and our vitality is, is bound up in medical advancement. The, the scriptures make clear that, that those things are a facade. They, they can be a shadow of good things to come, but they are not the good things themselves. What we hope in is, is what's to come. We hope in uh, when sin has been removed once and for all and forever. 
our tendency in biblical counseling, I think, has been uh, how close can we get to that line? How close can we get to that line to sound academically respectable? How, how close can we get to that line so that other people will think that we, uh, we accept those types of uh, secular ways of thinking and talking about human problems and so on and so forth? And we have to come to the conclusion that in a naturalistic world, when you and I talk about supernatural things and hoping in things to come, and, and we make a statement like Paul would make, uh, that if we have hope in Christ in this life only, that we're above all most to be pitied, we believe in, in what's to come. We believe in eternal life. We believe that the Scripture gives hope to live day by day in the mess of the here and now because we hope in what's to come and what Christ will eradicate once and for all and forever. We in biblical counseling cannot be afraid that we will not be accepted by the masses because we hold to a supernatural hope. We hold to something that's eschatological. We hold to something that's future. And there's not scientific explanation for that. So we have to learn to be comfortable with that Christian narrative. It doesn't mean we dismiss science here on earth. Please don't hear me say that. But it does mean that we need to be very cautious of things like scientism. We need to be very cautious of what psychology and psychiatry often puts out as being eminently hopeful and that we place our hope in this type of treatment to, to overcome this and this type of treatment to overcome that sort of thing. And when we, when we start to put all of our eggs into that basket, what happens is we lose the vitality of what eschatological hope is intended to do for us as we walk through the troubles of this world. And what begins to blind our minds is seeking imminent fixes, seeking temporal fixes that now become a facade that my hope is built on those things, and they are simply superficial. You know, this is not an uncommon posture, particularly of the Apostle Paul, but, but Jesus helps even uh, his apostles to look and long for his appearing. Think about, about the Apostle Paul in Titus 2, verses 11 through 13. Listen to the word of the Lord. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Listen to verse 13. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, his constant posture, what, what helps him to to think about persecutions and difficulties and sufferings and even the consequences of sin and uh, all the difficulty that he dealt with. When he got to the end of his life, Philippians chapter 1, and he's able to say, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. What gets us to a place like that? What, what brings us to a place, as Paul would, would confess, that I've learned in all these situations, whether in plenty or in want, I've learned to be content. What brings us to that place is that our eyes are fixed in a certain place. Our eyes are not fixed on imminent help. Our eyes are not fixed on imminent hope. Our eyes are not transfixed on the things that are here, but they are longing and looking to that which is to come. Can, can I encourage you as a biblical counselor that your counsel needs to be Christianly? Your counsel needs to be scriptural. And if your counsel is going to be that, then in all of the problems that we face, we have to keep in view what Christ will eradicate when he returns. 
Do we teach our counselees to long for the glorious appearing of Jesus? Because in that day, all the sufferings that we face, in that day, all the consequences of our sin, in that day, all the temptations that we are faced with and the trials that we are faced with now will be eradicated once and for all and forever. And that's a hope that builds character, that builds perseverance, that does not put us to shame. I tell my students this all the time. Any counsel that you give must help to answer the question that Jesus asked. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his own soul? Our counsel must prepare people for the moment that they will meet their creator face to face. And if we're telling them something that is not preparing them for those moments in what God is doing in their experience in the here and now, to, to help them to be conformed to the image of Christ so that they, way they stand before the Lord face-to-face, clothed in the goodness of Jesus, then we're not giving biblical counsel. Listen, the point of Scripture is to prepare them most for the world to come, and that's the wisest way to live in the present age. So, so for us, we have to be unashamed, unashamed to be Christianly in the way in which we think, Unashamed to be countercultural and against worldly desires in us wanting just to simply give imminent hope to people. Of course, I want to do that. I want a person to feel better, but that can't blind me to what the scripture cries out to consistently is I'm trying to help them to see that they can persevere today because of the once and for all hope that we have found in the resurrection of Jesus. And remember, Paul tells us to think on these types of things, Colossians chapter 3. Think on things that are above, not on things on the earth. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we have just completed uh, Easter Sunday. Now, I know Easter Sunday looked very differently for most of us. Uh, We were not in church together. We were not communing together as the body of Christ uh, in a physical location. But I'm sure we were hearing the word, we were listening to the word, prayerfully you celebrated that. But don't minimize that celebration to one day. Like this is the reason that the New Testament says we can rejoice. This is the reason that the New Testament says we can seek remedy for all the problems that we have here on the earth is we are all as believers longing for the day at which this down payment of a salvation that God has given us through Christ by the Holy Spirit will be realized in future hope. Allow this season of Easter to be solidified in our heart, that this be the pinnacle in the way in which we counsel, that we help to counsel people for ultimate hope, for true hope, for real hope, that far exceeds and far outlasts all the brokenness of this world. Because in that, in that transcendence of hope, we can now transcend above the suffering the consequences, the difficulty of this present age. So I encourage you, counsel with the resurrection in mind. Counsel with future hope, unashamed because it is Christian. Unashamed because it is distinctly biblical. Unashamed because the New Testament writers, this is what allowed them to persevere in all the difficulty that they struggle with. They longed for the glorious appearing of Jesus. And may we do the same as we teach our counselees to long for that glorious appearing as well. 
You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. Now, I want to remind you of our pandemic resources, a free page of resources, and many of you already have availed yourself to that free resource page. And I want to encourage you to continue to go back to that page for free resources that are hopefully helpful uh, to many of you as you counsel folks who are struggling with the issues that we highlight on that page, or uh, maybe you yourself are struggling with certain issues that we highlight on that page. Uh, Avail yourself to those resources that are packaged in one place. I want to highlight one in particular. I mentioned this during the podcast that our, our pre-conference from this past year's annual conference, we focused on this idea because I think it's a big deal, is human suffering in heaven's hope. How in human suffering do we long for the glorious appearing of Christ? Do we aim at heaven's hope to help us as a primary aid to help us walk through the human suffering of the world? And what we've done is we've, we've packaged those together on the Pandemic Resources site. And I want to make sure that, that we highlight those Uh, those talks that were given, those videos that were recorded. And you can go back and listen to those and and be more encouraged about uh, how much we can rely on the future hope and the promises that the Lord gives to help us walk through deep and dark places of human suffering. And you can find those free resources on the Pandemic Resources page by clicking the banner at the top of our website, biblicalcounseling.com.